Welcome to Commercial Real Estate Eyes Wide Open podcast. This is Ann Hambly, uh, founder and CEO of First Service Solutions. And I'm super happy today to have um, as the future, featured guest of our podcast, Steve Jelinek of uh, DBRS Morningstar, although there might be a better way to describe uh, your, your whole background. Steve, let me, or I'm sorry, describe the group you work in at DBRS. But in a nutshell, let me just tell the audience that um, you've been in this business for, you've been at Morningstar, various iterations of it for 18, 20 years, I think, right? You, mm-hmm. um, you're head currently of CMBS Research. I know I've relied on you over the years. I read your reports um, that you publish. They're always very, very well written and give me a lot of, uh, I'm sure a lot of people in our industry, a lot of good data. So I'm super happy to have you here and feel free to add a little bit more if you want or correct anything I said about your background. And then we'll jump into the stuff I want you to talk about. Sure. Great. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Great. So I'm going to mostly, I I think um, I'm going to refer to, so for anybody that's listening, um, if you want to get more data, maybe we'll have a link somehow to this report. Maybe uh, we can do something like that. But there is a report that you published and you do it, I think, quarterly, maybe monthly. It's actually, actually, (laughs) I'm reading the title and it says monthly (laughs) highlights. Okay, that's the glue, right? So it's a report called DBRF's Morningstar CMBS Monthly Highlights. And I'm featuring the one that you talked about uh, where you covered the delinquency and CMBS servicing rates and a little bit about malls and maturity. So our theme is going to be CMBS servicing um, special servicing rates, troubled loans, troubled malls, and maturity payoff. And I think this is of, of great interest to a lot of people. And I want to start out by saying first that um, it's always amazing to me to hear over and over that the delinquency rates in CMBS continue to decline. And I think that's been steady for a long time now. Um, and I, I want to ask your, your thoughts on that. Is that primarily due to the resolution of just the COVID requests or what's driving that overall decline and is it still declining? Right, so that's that's a great question and, and it's what everybody wants to know is where are you know delinquency rates, special servicing rates, where are they going and, and why have they come down so far and they can can they continue to keep coming down? Um, and that's that's the, the $24 question. So um, really what's, driving the declining delinquency rates, um, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Um, obviously, fewer loans are requesting COVID relief, right? Um, and that the loans that remain in special servicing or the, the loans that are continuing continuing to be delinquent, those are mainly the stragglers. Um, we're seeing fewer loans become delinquent than loans cured. So the cured loans are outnumbering the delinquent loans. Um, and the main reason we're seeing that beyond co- you know, fewer loans with COVID relief is improving metrics, right? From negative effects of the pandemic, right? That have already been cured and they moved back to special servicers and kind of digging deeper behind that, what's really going on behind the loans? Is the tide coming in? Is the tide going out? And you know, is it gonna maintain that momentum? So, so far through, this, through the mid-year, and we just this morning issued our July report, um, CRE fundamentals have remained strong despite mounting concerns about, about the economy, right? So you keep hearing, you know, inflation, um, rising prices, consumers getting squeezed. 
Um, but on the CRE side of things, cash flows are continuing to improve for the most part. That's why we're seeing fewer delinquent loans. Um, so, and kind of looking ahead a little bit. So as property market fundamentals are generally solid and as they continue to improve, um, that's possible as inflation and capital markets turmoil tends to abate as we go, as we're going forward. And we just saw the latest CPI report that came out that suggested that inflation is down a little bit year over year. Um, you know, a, a recovery in CMBS could continue and it could be swift. So, and not only in CMBS, which we've seen a recovery already, but in the economy in general. So, um, but one thing I know we'll talk about a little bit later is, you know, where are the potential concerns? And those would definitely include um, refinance risk as CMBS loans mature. Will they be able to be paid, taken out and be paid off? And the other one that um, I think keeps a lot of people up at night, including me, is where's office demand going? So, yeah, um, let's get into property types because we do tend to, you know, first of all, we lump, I tend to lump, you know, commercial real estate into one big bucket. And then sure. we even lump retail into one, one bucket and hospitality. I mean, there's so many segments that we really have to study. Yeah. But what you always hear people talk about commercial and multifamily. Yeah. But. Yeah. So what property types, uh, I think we we probably know, but but I'd love to hear the real facts. What property types, as of your most recent report, have the highest delinquency rates? Yeah, great. Again, great question. So um, as most people are probably aware, um, retail and, and hotel got hammered in the, um, uh, in the pandemic. And those are the highest delinquency rates right now. Those yeah. are the highest delinquency rates right now. Exactly. Um, retails um, continue to have the highest delinquency rate. Um, as of our, our uh, July reporting, it was uh, the delinquency rate for retail was 6.37%. And, um, and it act, retail actually surpassed um, hotel or the lodging sector in terms of delinquency rate back in April. So now retail has the highest delinquency rate. Um, lodging has the second highest delinquency rate, and, but that's still good news. I'm no, sorry. no, and that that is, yeah, that it's that is actually everything in your report is fairly good news, you know, for the for the current. Sure. What property? Yeah, just to put it in perspective. Yeah. Sorry about that. No, no, um, just one more yeah, thing yeah. I want to throw out. We want to hear is, you. Um, so, the, yeah. the the retail delinquency rate actually peaked at um, about seventeen and a half percent back in the summer of twenty twenty, right wow. during the height of, of yeah pandemic. And it is down, like I said, to 6.37%. Yeah. So that's down over 10 percentage points. Well, that's a great way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great news. Um, people who previously relied on online shopping, you know, are actually returning to bricks and mortar locations, especially those that offer experiences um, that aren't done on the internet. And investors are noticing. And in terms of um, property sales, it's, it's a good kind of, um, indicative indicator of how things are doing. Um, we can also look at property sales in addition to delinquencies that more than 900 shopping centers um, were sold nationwide in the second quarter of this year uh, for $16.6 billion. And that's about double the volume in the same period last year. And that data comes out from the, the data from MSCI. And those those uh, sales, if the bar, if the buyer defeases or they pay the loan off in one way, shape, or form, that also helps drive the default rates down, right? Because you got more liquidations occurring uh, that that you know cure some of those defaults. 
right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if the, if the loan had been faulted or the property um, ends up being liquidated, so the loan just comes off of this, out of the special servicing yeah. ranks. So liquidations um, also will improve the, the special servicing. Yeah. Number. Okay, I, I can predict, and I, you know, your report showed that too, but <laughs> I'm a bat, nobody should rely on my prediction, but I, I, industrial, clearly one of the darlings of commercial real estate right now. What are the other, so it's got a low, low delinquency rate. It's probably the lowest, I would assume. What's the next lowest after industrial? Which ones are doing actually, super well? Um, actually, there are no healthcare loans that are delinquent. Wow. So, um, healthcare, healthcare is the smallest percentage of um, slices of the pie, the CMBS pie, um, in terms of just outstanding balance, but there are no healthcare loans um, delinquent. Um, well, that's interesting. Industrial is the lowest. Yeah, like you said, industrial is yeah. the lowest. The delinquency rate is comparatively to, um, we mentioned um, retail before, about 6.5%. Well, the industrial delinquency rate is 0.33. Yeah. And that's followed by multifamily at 0.99, and then office is third at 1.62. You know, when you're below 1.1%, I mean, that's, that's pretty darn good, yeah. Um, so talk about office. Um, you know, I, I know you don't do, I believe anyway, and I could be wrong, but you, you report more on data and, and true facts that you see and less on predicting the future, I assume, but I'd love to hear your overall thoughts on the statistics of office and, you know, what they've been doing recently. And, and I'm going to add a little bit of what I think's happening in the near future if you don't or can't do that. But I'd love to hear your thoughts sure. on that. Yeah, sure. Um, exactly. So we do actually like to um, predict the future. It's like, OK, you know, stating historical facts can get boring after a while. <laughs> Good. I'd love to hear that. <laughs> kind of know the data. And, you know, you're, I'm sure your listeners are well aware of how off, how hotels are doing, how retail is doing, just, you know, generally speaking, mm. from a macro standpoint. And, you know, recur regurgitating data is good. Um, and historical data can be used up to a point to predict what's going to happen in the future. But, you know, it's a lot of times it's anybody's guess, and it's, it's very nuanced. And we kind of have to um, uh, look at different scenarios to try to figure out what's going to happen. So in terms of what sectors had the most trouble, and I wouldn't say it's trouble, but just in the sector that's been bucking the trend in terms of um, increased special servicing rate, all property types have seen their special servicing rate decline over the past 12 months, except office. Um, we're seeing more office loans transfer to special servicing. While um, I say more, it's a little bit. It's not a lot. It's I don't think we've really you know hit a major inflection point or anything like that. Um, because office delinquencies have actually declined by about 19 basis points over the past 12 months. But the office special servicing rates up by about 43 basis points to 3.27%. So you might be wondering, okay, what's contributing to that increasing number of office loans that are being transferred to special servicing? So a lot of things that we're watching, um, chief among them is, you know, you have tenants that have begun to project, better project their future office needs. You have fewer employees returning to work, and how will um, rising demand for virtual work affect office demand? And mm -hmm. you have accelerated virtual working trends that may have actually affect office demand than less commonly thought. So when you think about, although employees may be spending less time in the office, um, the need to accommodate peak office attendance kind of limits the amount of potential reductions in space that 
any one employer can take because they have to still kind of account for um, the total number of employees that may come in on any one day. You know, I, I always, I like to think, I, I believe, I, let me word it, I, I believe actually after helping owners and being in the servicing for CMBS for so long now that it's, there's a difference I think with CMBS debt in that it doesn't have to be long-term trouble that you start sensing issues because of. In other words, for office, all it really is, I would assume, is a change, right? But change and CMBS don't go well together. And to your point, you have to get into special servicing to discuss changes to your property and changes to your tenancy. And so there's a lot of changing going on in office for all the reasons you described. And I think we all know that. So although it's not that they're all going down the tubes, it's just that there's a lot of change and change will equal right. the need for attention, you know, so. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, case in point, look at Geico. Um, you used to work out in California. Geico is yeah. closing all 38 other California offices. Ooh, just the, okay. one example. So yeah. and, and you're right. CMBS is, can be different um, in terms of um, predicting um, what's going to happen in the future um, because you have these um, medium-term loans, I'll call them, you know, usually five, seven, 10-year loans. And when you're looking at office leases, um, those loans, those leases will roll throughout the life of the loan. Right. And it depends where, when those leases roll as to kind of predicting whether or not the loan's going to get into trouble. Yeah. And one of the things kind right. of highlight, like the highlight is maturing loans. Yeah. And how many potential leases could be um, open, um, how much space might be available when the loan comes up for maturity. Let's get right into maturity because I want to I want to make sure we cover that, too, because you've got some really good data in your report. Um, what I saw and you can correct me if it's uh, if I'm interpreting it not right. But so I got to let me back up before I say what I read and say that if you just got out as all owners did of a you know year or two of this pandemic and you're staring at a maturity date in 2022 or 2023, there's just probably some angst you're going to have about the maturity. But I think the key is the maturity payoff rate, which you report monthly. And I think it's something like uh, the payoff rate was high, like 65% or something. And that, that I guess, in, infers that 35%, if I did the math right, didn't pay off. So talk a little bit about that trend and what that means and what you think we're going to see on these maturities in the next year or two. Sure. No, you're absolutely right. Um, and even in the July report, which, um, as I mentioned, just came out today, um, the year-to-date maturity rate is in the mid-60% range, which is okay, but let me kind of put that in a little bit of context, right? After the maturity rate uh, reached nearly 80% in 2019, the ensuing two years didn't go very well. During the pandemic, it sank below 50% in 2020 and rose to below just below 60% in 2021. Uh, main reason behind that, as you can probably guess, is the loans maturing those years, the average net net cash flow for those loans mm -hmm. declined substantially. Yeah, sure. It was it was kind of scary. Um, on order of somewhere between fifty three percent below underwritten net cash flow and and thirty three percent below net cash flow for the two years respectively. And some some other things to keep in mind too is 
performance of hotels. Um, a lot of the hotel loans um, performance remained below pre-pandemic levels. Um, and lenders have become increasingly wary of uh, financing shopping malls yeah. with this, mainly shopping malls that are B and C quality. A, um, class A shopping malls still garner a lot of attention, um, but B and C are still seeing declining sales and occupancy. So, so getting into the maturity payoff rate for this year, it's really been a roller coaster ride so far yeah. um, for those that have a queasy stomach. So, topping out at nearly ninety percent in April. And it sunk as low as the mid 30% range in January and then dipped down again to the mid 30% range in May. So it's been all, all over the place. Um, but as I said before, uh, year to date, it's hovering in the 60% range. Um, okay. and so right now we kind of view that, you know, only the top performing loans are able to secure takeout financing and, you know, and the ones in, in the most sought after sectors, I mean, multifamily okay. and industrial. Um, most of those are backed by industrial multifamily. Um, and those are the two sectors that were ben yeah. benefited from the pandemic. Sure, absolutely. Okay, and I'm, I'm I'm telling borrowers, and I'm hoping this turns out to be true, that I suspect and believe that servicers will be a little bit more amenable to granting an extension on a maturity date where there's a legitimate problem refinancing than maybe they would have historically. So, you know, we're all in the same uh, dilemma. So. That's Do a great you, point. If I can just interject, yeah, um, extensions on maturity, on maturing loans. Um, we actually did a, a commentary on that, focusing on hotels um, earlier this year. And what we found was, A, hotels, hotel loans garnered uh, the lion's share of modifications during the mm -hmm. pandemic. And B, most of those loans were ultimately brought current and transferred back to um, the master servicer. That's great. So, right. Right. Actually, so do you do you produce uh, statistics on um, maturities and the extensions granted by servicers? Um, no, we don't. OK, typically. I was going to say that we, we have we have in the background. Yeah. OK. All right. But suffice be... it to say that the loans that fail to pay off at maturity, we do track them um, mm. and there are typically, you know, a decent volume of them that do receive yeah. attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, and one of the things that kind of points to um, the low level of um, of concern with um, maturing loans and just liquidations in general is that if I can focus on liquidations for a second, the loans yeah. being transferred to special service or loans that actually are in special servicing and ultimately get liquidated. The volume of liquidated loans is down substantially um, this year compared to prior years. And secondly, the average loss severity of loans that do get liquidated is down about 10 percentage points. From what? From year to date this year oh. to last year. So the average loss severity this year is just under um, July year to date is just under 50%. Mm -hmm. And compared to July year to date 2021, the average loss severity is around 60%. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. So it just it shows you okay. the demand for uh, commercial real estate is really yeah. good. Yeah. Well, in our last minute or two of the podcast, any fun fact I didn't ask you they want to just throw out? <laughs> um, let's see. Is, you know, basically is, are the markets telling us the worst is be behind us? Um, you know, 30 year mortgages are back below 5%. Kind of, you know, are we full speed ahead? Um, but 
you know, kind of counterbalance. Everything isn't necessarily rosy. Um, you know, yeah. U.S. household debt has increased to a record. Um, households took on an extra $46 billion in credit card debt in the second quarter. That's the highest. That was probably me. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I feel like Um, I did that myself. (laughs) um, Yeah, yeah. Just look at all the Amazon boxes we 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 threw away over the past year or two. Yeah, exactly. Let's see. What else are we thinking about? Um, CMBS issuance is kind of a tale of two halves. Um, First half was um, uh, strong. Second half is slowing down. Um, but and REIT earnings, you know, that's another kind of um, layer to look at and data point is that um, office REITs are actually beating expectations. Those would include like Boston mm. Properties, also Green, Highwood, um, Vornado um, has, on the flip side, Vornado has about 1.3 million square feet of New York City office space expiring this year, and they're expecting just a 50% renewal rate. Yeah. Ooh. So that's, Gosh, that's ooh, that's uh, yeah. that's the kind I just of read stuff. an article yeah. in the New York Times about um, drop off in um, uh, traffic on the um, on the trains in New York City. Mm. Oh yeah. Oh, and um, I can't imagine. I add the the. I think I'm watching the. Uh, tenants, the large tenant expiration and, and what's going to happen. And I'm talking, you know, I talk to owners every day about what to do. And um, I'm getting a lot of phone calls from some uh, owners with pretty large office complexes that are saying, I don't know if I'm going to have a problem necessarily, but I suspect I will. And I just want to talk about what to do, you know, mm-hmm. and you can't exactly go to special today to, you don't want to, to start having those discussions, but they're just trying to get their mind around what the process will be when and if you know so just to right. your point about uh vernado's suspecting they might have a 50 percent renewal rates i think a lot of people are suspecting things like that too but it's not reality yet so right. it's kind of and a challenge office, as far as i was just one little more yeah in terms love it for office is flight to quality um, what does that mean well, flight to quality means office um, has a, uh, we're seeing weakening demand for older buildings mm. that are kind of on the mm-hmm. verge of a midlife crisis. Mm-hmm. And by midlife crisis, I kind of mean <laughs> buildings that, that are, in the late 30s, early 40s. Mm-hmm. Um, and that counts for about a third of the national office market today. And is and that... I'm sorry, they're going to make it to, to an office, to a life expectancy of around 60 years, mm, which is a, right. a lot of them need a lot of upgrades, mechanical, environmental um, amenities mm. that are, that are, you know, up to par with today's standards. And so what we're, we could be seeing and what we are already are seeing are older office assets that find themselves pretty much pinched by a decrease in demand, lower rents. And kind of um, handcuffed by expenses that are going to increase over the next several years as they try to compete. And not, and you probably add to that, the fact that tenants uh, are now, I think employers are demanding that the buildings have more amenities to attract more Mm -hmm. employees back. Right. So you got probably all what you said, uh, maintenance issues, and then you got also the upgrades they have to do to just to compete. So exactly, that's why we're seeing, you know, a lot of the primary beneficiaries are the class A sector. Yeah. The class B and C offices may struggle. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, Steve, this has been super, super valuable. I really appreciate you spending your time and uh, with sure, me this glad morning. Glad to do it. Always, yeah. always happy to, to talk commercial real estate. Yeah, yeah. That kind of gets in our blood, huh? I've said that. Yep. You know, once you get in it, you can't get out. It just kind of gets in there. So, well, you have a great day. Appreciate your insight. And uh, we probably will link your report. It's okay to link your report to the, for these for viewers. Sure. Okay, sure. wonderful. I, I can actually, I'll send you a link to the most recent Perfect, one. perfect. And we'll share that with people. Um, so anybody listening can go actually read more, a lot more good data and uh, go ahead and send the most recent one if you want. And we'll include that. So Anyway, appreciate your time, Steve. Thank you very much. Fantastic. My pleasure. Okay. Thanks, Anne. Okay.